everyone. Welcome to Hashtag Real Life. Abby and Danielle here. At Hashtag Real Life, we want to bring the essence of conversations back into our day-to-day lives. We want to tell the stories of the people around us with no topic off the table. Our hope is to create a safe space for ourselves, guests, and our listeners, all while bringing our authentic selves to create rambling but beautiful content. Now, let's talk about some stuff. All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Hashtag Real Life. As always, it's Abby. And this is Danielle. And we are making it work. Danielle's sweaty from a run, and I'm halfway here, I think, <laughs> getting situated. <laughs> what do you think, Danielle? Yes, we're figuring it out. It's a marvelous Thursday, as always. You know, like, you got to work your way into it. I mean, it's almost the end of the week, so... You do what you can. You do what you can. <laughs> yeah, I'm so surprised we've stuck with stuck with this Thursday time slot. It just yeah works with everything, but it always tends to be like one of the busiest days for both of us. So I think we just ride high on the fumes. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Without further ado, we will get to our special guest for the episode. We are excited to reconnect. I think we've decided it's been about a decade uh, since we have chatted with our friend Cody Michael, uh, met at Iowa State, and he has done a lot of cool things after the fact uh, with comedy and his own career, and it's just really fun to watch from afar and now getting to chat with you. So welcome, yeah. welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with y'all. It's great. It's good just to see you too again after so long. Uh, and also I've been keeping kind of an eye on on the show a little bit and uh, I've, I've loved what you've done with it. Uh, and it's good to good to be on. I was really excited when I got the message from you. So uh, I'm cool. Glad that I made your you, radar. Yeah, oh, yes. You've been on my, on my mind for a while. And also, I guess I forgot to say too, you also host a podcast. So yes, uh, yeah, yeah uh, we'll, we'll get it is it, called sure. uh, it's called socially constipated. We've been on hiatus for a little bit. We're trying to figure out. That's why I'm like I'm really impressed that you all have maintained such a good release schedule because I know how hard that is. So yes. I'm very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is like the most committed that I've been to. A pro- I mean, no, I'm committed to projects. Like I, that, that's a lie. But I mean, like I feel like from the aspect of like the Thursday, like okay, it's happening, it's going, like. It's very regimented of like, okay, we okay. got to have this happen. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be think, that way. The second th- that you start having exceptions, it'll be yeah. every single one of them. So it, it's got to be gospel. Yeah. Otherwise it's really hard to stay in the mix like that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Danielle and I for sure have had heart to hearts. Like there've been times where I'm like, Danielle, I'm, I'm struggling, help me through. And, and we get through it. So yeah. it's couples therapy. We just talked yep. about. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> enough about us so you're on a hiatus how many episodes do you know um or when did that start we oh gosh so we started um the 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 podcast the first version of the podcast we started in 2017 um and it was called the soco show it was myself and my good friend seth ott who i'm pretty sure you guys would have met uh he was he didn't go to iowa state but he was always around he's one of my oldest friends. And we started that when we were living together in, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa at the time. And we were hyper vigilant about it for a few years. Um, we were a weekly show. And then during the pandemic, uh, we we started having as a guest on our show a lot, a guy named Jared Buckendall, who I think you guys know as well oh, from yep. Dub H. Mm-hmm. And he at the time had was a movie reviewer, still is, a movie reviewer and has had a lot of success on YouTube and TikTok since then. Um, so we started having him as a guest 
a lot of the time because we didn't have a lot to talk about over pandemic. And yeah. so Jared joined joined us kind of full time uh, in the middle of 2020. And so and then we changed the name from the SoCo show, which is a pun on mine and Seth's names to socially constipated, uh, which I just think is hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we've probably done we've probably done somewhere between somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 episodes I wow think. we did nothing. we were a weekly show for a few years and then for a part of a year we were like three shows a week yeah. and that was way too much um <laughs> so that was it was a lot we've done a shitload of episodes i should have asked if i could cuss we've done a lot oh, of yeah, episodes sure. yeah. totally can. okay okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> adult real life yeah, it's all. been a lot i think about a lot if if i ever uh if I ever, my memory ever started to go, or if I ever wanted to give something to my kids to let them know, there is hundreds of hours of my recorded face and voice. And it's a, that's, I think, a really cool side effect that people don't think about with a podcast is you can go back and listen to it. I could go tell you what I was thinking about five years ago at this time. And it's a really fun thing to be able to do. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because we were actually having a conversation like that with Travis, actually, mm-hmm. because he was the one who was saying that too. He's like, if you think about it, like this is you guys's voice, like this is your like vocal diary essentially. And I mean, yeah. it definitely is. Cause I mean, just like you said, you just, you go through so many things, like as you podcast, like over the years and you just talk about so many different things. So oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be more proud about some episodes than others. I'm sure when I'm old, but they were all so fun. Yes. <laughs> 1000%. So, and it's a way to connect with friends. All right. Like, I mean, Danielle and I have kept in touch, obviously this long and yet it's been so consistent every week multiple times per week so I'm sure it was so much fun for you and Seth and uh, Mm -hmm. when I moved out west it was a no-brainer had to keep the podcast going because um I'm not a great long distance friend uh and I I think it's really hard to be for a lot of people when you start to get older um but I knew I was like if we don't have regimented scheduled time to get together we'll start not doing it and we'll go years without seeing each other and I didn't want to do that uh with these guys and so uh we've stuck to it and even now when we're not we're not actively producing episodes we're kind of working we're trying to bring the show back this fall um and so we've been talking about it and working on certain things but we still keep our schedule so at the time when we would be recording we get together still and like play video games or or do something else so I still get to talk to those guys weekly even when we're not doing the shows and I find you got to schedule that stuff or it's so easy to not you miss someone for a year at a time and it's like where'd the time go yeah Mm -hmm. and for those that haven't like listened to the show like what's it about really like I mean obviously just in general (laughs) it's been in a few iterations when it first started we wanted to hit just all of our interests so the first the first version of the show was very specifically we had segments about uh movie tv sports and video games and then we started to gravitate toward movies and tv and so that was mostly what we talked about for the bulk of the show and then um over pandemic, we had, there weren't movies coming out. Uh, so we had to get a little more creative and we started playing a lot of like games. Um, and, and now the most recent version of the show that will, will be coming out like in the fall, I hope is more, uh, more loose, more free form. Uh, you know, what are we up to? What's on our minds? 
Um, we still end up gravitating to things like movies and TV, especially cause that's really the space that Jared is in. And that's what the three of us all have in common is we're, we're all, you know, big cinephiles. So, um, it's, it's a pretty general kind of thing now. That's just kind of us and us talking and our thing and cracking jokes and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I would say for the bulk of the show, it was, if you're into movies and TV, keeping up with news, who's cast and stuff, it was that more recently, it's more of a, uh, keeping up with ourselves uh, yeah. kind of show. We talk about funny news stories, that kind of thing. More of a comedy podcast now, I would say, than anything. Totally. Awesome. I can't wait to listen. Yeah, because yeah. I've seen that on my radar too. And I listen, I say it all the time on this podcast. I listen to a billion podcasts, so oh, yeah. as does Danielle. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can't wait to, to go back in the archives. <laughs> we had my favorite episode that we did. You mentioned Travis uh, a second ago. I know you've had him on the show. Still to this day, probably our favorite episode is the one where we interviewed Travis. Oh, uh, you guys know he's such a great interview and just yes. a great dude to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been a couple years ago now. So we might try to get him on here soon yeah. uh, again because we need some updates from him. He's got a lot going on. Yeah. Oh, I love lots that. of updates. Yeah. So, <laughs> he can talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, I don't know if I even said at the beginning, but we came in contact with you at Iowa State and Dub H. We've mentioned Dub H a million times. And actually, I mean, I wear the sweatpants still all the time, but I actually pulled out the V-neck shirt uh, tonight and repping it just to get back in the, you know, fun entertainment mood. But obviously your life precedes that. So let's go way back. Are you originally born, raised Iowa? Where, what does that look like? So I I was raised in Iowa. I oftentimes like slip up and tell people I was born there. I wasn't. Um, (laughs) I was I was born in Georgia uh, on Fort Stewart's an army base uh, in Georgia. Uh, Both my parents are army. And uh, with there were my mom was living there at the time uh, when I was born. So, yeah, I was born at the military hospital in Georgia and we lived there for like a year. It wasn't it wasn't very long. Um, And we ended up moving. It's a little bit of an interesting story. Uh, the, and it's a weirdly intense, it wasn't very intense for us actually, but it sounds weirdly intense. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm born in fall of 91 and, um, we lived in a pretty poor neighborhood. Um, and it was me, my, my, my parents are white. Uh, so I, uh, my, I grew up with my birth mom and, and my dad, uh, who's always been my dad. He happens to be white. I have a biological father I haven't met. So at the time we were living in a, a very poor, predominantly black neighborhood, but my parents are white and 91, 92, um, in LA, we had the Rodney King event. And in a lot of, of black communities across the country, there's a lot of rioting happening. And so it was a time when my my folks were already kind of struggling to find work. And then the neighborhood started getting really unsafe. And so they called up my dad's mom, who lives in Iowa, and we moved uh, up to Iowa and moved in with my grandparents uh, when I was about a year old. And then over the first few years of my life, my parents got got found work and uh, we moved out on our own and ended up in a little town called Owine in Northeast oh, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got about 5,000 people in it. And, yeah. uh, and that's where I grew up. So the, all of my memories are from Owine. Again, I, I always forget. And I tell people born and raised Iowan. Yeah. Uh, but, but no, the real story is a little bit more uh, dramatic than that. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I feel like sometimes we like, I mean, there's always like so much that happens and then you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot that that was like the, my upbringing, like all these shifts and changes and all these different yeah. things. And it's, it's like fun to look back because it just shapes you in so many different ways too. Well, things that you think are normal too, you know, mm-hmm. I, dub H is a great example. I tell people about dub H and they're like, oh yeah, do you guys have like shows? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, how many people were there? I'm like, oh, one time we filled an auditorium with like a thousand. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, I thought I, I didn't realize that was like a really, that's way more of an extreme thing that it felt like at the time. Cause it was so mm-hmm. typical for us. We did it twice a year. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. It is fun to look back at that kind of stuff and go, yeah, that's, it, it's feel, felt normal, but that's more of, more of a story than I've given it credit for, for a long yes. time. Yeah. It's, even, it's... even friend dynamics, uh, when we tell people yeah. about age, they're like, that's strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, even, I feel like, even if I tell people like, oh, I was in a hip hop club, they're like, wait, what? Like, uh-huh. you know, I feel like that even starts out like a huge part of the conversation, let alone all the like idiosyncrasies of it, of it where you're like, wow, okay, this is yep. all that we did. <laughs> right. If, I mean, you're doing so many cool things now, but I'm sure, I mean, for me, it was, it was an icebreaker at every new job. Like yep. when it's like, you know, tell two truths and a lie. That was always one of the things because I, I actually really got, believe. I, 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 st- I actually credit my whole career to Dub H. Oh um, my gosh. Yes. So when I first came out of school, um, I uh, was interviewing around, I ended up working at US Bank, which is still where I work today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my first interview was just for a teller position and they, I had Dub H on my resume. I was president as my senior year. So I was like, president, you put That's on your resume. Right. Um, so uh, they saw that on there and started asking questions about it. We ended up talking most of the time about Dub H. And it was in that interview that I, it was that same thing we just talked about. Um, they were like, you were running a small business. Yeah. Like, I guess we kind of were. <laughs> and it wasn't even that small. I mean, you guys know the scale of some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was a really big thing. And then once I was already at the bank and I eventually applied for a job in wealth management, uh, which was a big uh, promotion for me at the time, the gentleman that I interviewed with had a daughter who was in Dub H with me. Um, Mm -hmm. You guys might remember her. Her name is Brittany Richardson. Uh, She was on T-Wolves with us one year and uh, her, I worked with her father for a few years and they, she knew my name and had mentioned it to him uh, during the interview process. And so she kind of vouched for me and and that helped me out a lot. So yeah, I I can't get away from Dub H. No, (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) It it truly is like, I, I mean, I talk about how Dub H, right? I, I met my husband, right? Yeah. <laughs> we met yeah. my best friends. Like my yeah. family is here because of mm-hmm. Dub H. Some mm-hmm. of my longest friends or yeah, connections. Like you said, like B works at a dance studio and got that connection from Bailey. Uh, oh, yeah. Hi. Yeah. So she had a connection with uh, the studio owner back way back in what, early 2010s. And yeah, that's how D got connected. And here we are now Eli is going to be dancing with them. So that's so wild. The network thing is I, I, I hate networking. I'll be honest with you. I, <laughs> I, I, but it is the, the multiple, the multiplicative property of networking is so nuts. You, you meet 10 people and then they have 10 and they have 10 and they have 10. And we had 500 people in WH at one point. So the net is big. Um, yes. So luckily yeah. because of that, I haven't needed to, to do as much networking since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a little bit of work for me. 
Well, and it's funny because I feel like every time we have someone on our podcast that we did dub H with, it's always, it always brings like a different pocket of memories where it's like, it unlocks something different where it's like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Or like, whoa, we had all these like intense memories. And if you think about it too, just with dub H, we spent so much time together. Like that's another part of it too. Mm -hmm. Like being in so many dances, like throughout the week, that's so many hours. It was a part-time job. It was a part-time job. You calculated it out. I don't think I've been that committed to anything since. Yes. Like my, my full-time job, I don't spend as much time at as I used to spend. <laughs> at and it was, I don't know how I passed classes, honestly. That's Hurry the on. thing that I always wonder. I'm like, I don't, I, I had a decent GPA. It wasn't anything I was super proud of, but I was like, I'm amazed I got through school because I can't, I can't tell you anything I learned. All my co- college stories are from dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know how I memorize like all those dances either. Like every dance that I was in was so different. Like none of them really connected to one another because there's just yeah. so many different styles where I'm like, how did I even keep that in check? There's so many different music and like. like well, and when you watch it back now, I, I, I have this experience when I watch back those old ones, the ones that I don't remember the choreo to, they seem so fast. Yeah, uh, they seemed very slow when we were doing them because we knew what we were up to and we knew the counts and all that. But when you don't have that context, it seems a lot faster and a lot more impressive, uh, honestly, than like at the time. It was just kind of we could all do it. So it didn't seem as insane. But now I watch some of that stuff and it's it's I'm impressed with a lot of it, uh, mm-hmm. even now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's sometimes I look back where I'm like, oh, Danielle, I don't know what you're doing. And then there's and then there's, there's other times yeah. there's other times I'm like, hey, I'm actually like pretty good. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Truly some of the like the emotions that we experienced in Tub H spanned it all. Like <laughs> wild. Wild. <laughs> and it was a creative outlet, right? Like we were using a different part of our brain and it probably in a way, even though it took up most of our time, like probably helped us in whether it was in school or in other things, because we were kind of balancing out that, that yeah. brain symmetry. Yeah. But you gotta have it. I mean, oh. it's, I don't know if I probably realized at the time how much it was doing for me, but kept, kept us in shape. I, yeah. I, I blew up right after college. I was like, I, I never worked. I never went to the gym in school, but we were always working out cause we were dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went and got a desk job and put on 20 pounds immediately. Um, but the, the, the balance of my job is, uh, I'm in finance. So it's a lot of numbers, a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of that kind of thing. And having a creative outlet, even now that's like comedy for me is that, um, you gotta have it. I, I don't know how people operate only just droning on technical business type things all the time. You, I feel like you have to have something creative to do, or otherwise you're out of balance. Uh, that's always yeah. been the case for me at least. Mm-hmm. And you, you hear that from a lot of people too, where they'll have those moments with themselves to be like, man, I feel like I'm not doing anything creative. Like, I don't really know like what I'm doing or I need to figure out something to do like on the side. And you, you start to see that in people, like sometimes when they're like off balance. Oh yeah. Social media has been great for that. Cause you can, every, anybody can, can, uh, uh, decide they want to do a little video series on whatever they're interested in or, or do a dance or whatever it may be. Um, you know, you can learn anything on the internet now. So it, yeah, it's a good time for hobbies for sure. Yeah. I'm sad that like TikTok wasn't like bigger when we were like going through WH Imagine. because we had, I mean, we were just coming up with all these dances left and right. Like we, would have, oh, God. I don't, yeah. that's the thing though. I don't know if we would have gotten any of our dances done because we would have just been like, let's film a TikTok. Let's do right. another one. Like, it was, yeah. That's what it would have been. It would have changed a lot I well I mean I don't know if you guys have this frustration I I have a, a really hard time with TikTok dances 
because mm-hmm. they, I think they're all terrible yeah. um, because <laughs> they all take place right here. No yes. one can move. It's yeah. just, it's this kind of thing mm-hmm. and no one's moving at all. Hand and motions. it drives me insane. Yeah. I, I actually can't say it. They're I, hard. I there's a lot of dancing happening, but that's not, that ain't And for some me. of them are really hard, honestly. Like some of them are super, super <laughs> easy. And then some of them you're like, oh my gosh, okay. And then you have to like mirror it and then think to yourself like, okay, fine. Let me like figure out this groove. And then, yeah. yeah. Some of them take a lot longer to learn than they should. I feel yeah. like that's the other thing too. And that is and not- how I've tried. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> me like the 25 minute, like Brian Puspos uh, uh, tutorial. Like I need that. I'm not picking yes. it up just from watching, you know, D'Amelio's or whoever's, I don't know who's does it on TikTok now, but. Right. But that's yeah. not really dancing what she's, I mean, no offense, Charlie, but. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to be there. like a gatekeeper, but yeah, I, 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 yeah <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to shame. I don't want to shame. Everyone's got yeah. their art. <laughs> like. <laughs> Renegade, renegade. That's what it, that's what just popped in my brain. <laughs> renegade. Oh gosh. <laughs> it so back I think the only time. TikTok dance, other than the one that you and I were trying to learn, Danielle, uh, the only one that actually was ever able to do was uh the savage one. Uh and I had clients who were teaching me <laughs> in, in residential, like they're bored, they have nothing else to do. And <laughs> so they were trying to teach me TikTok dance. <laughs> I mean, you got to give it to people though, because it does like give people something to do. It's like funny. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, oh my gosh, let me try this one. Like, what about this one? And you spend quite a bit of time, like just learning these dances. And then whether you record them or not, you're like, oh, okay. I want to try to do this one. Like this sounds fun. Like, yeah. So they're, they're, it's a hit or miss. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just the, and the skills you pull away from something like that, even if, even if you're just doing it casually or for fun, you've got to. If you're going to put together a TikTok, you got to learn the dance. You have to shoot it. You have to edit it probably. And you have to know how to post it. Like those are all individual skills and people are making buku money off of all those skills right now. Mm-hmm. And I always, occasionally something comes up where I need to do like some sound editing. It's very occasional. Usually it's related to the podcast, but I know how to do sound editing because of Dub H because we had to yes, mix stuff. Yes, so you, exactly. <laughs> you have the center part of the Life hobby skills, and then man. all the yeah. ancillary skills that you pick up. That that I think is the stuff that's encouraging about the TikTok thing. You see some of the really elaborate stuff people put together and it's like, you really had to learn a lot and mm-hmm. put together a lot of things to make that happen. It, it ends up being a dumb little video, but um, it's it takes some real skill and, and time to do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, well, like, like Danielle said. second video can oh, take sorry. like hours for people to like put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and like Danielle said it, it gives it for two seconds and go nope and scroll on <laughs> exactly yeah. like that's the oh gosh that freaking hook at the beginning but yeah <laughs> you're getting Danielle riled up Cody <laughs> yes yes I could go on this for hours but we this is not that <laughs> well okay so you obviously did dub eight did you do dub eight all four or five all four. three four five years however many yep. years you had and I was a part of a couple shows after that too. I emceed a show. Um, and I think I did a little, a small part of a number once. Um, but yeah, I, it took me a while to get, get unplugged, but I eventually did. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to get unplugged. It's hard to uh, get well, you were president, you were, you choreographed. So you were in all, you were, you partook in the dances. Did you do any kind of art creative performance when you were little? No. Uh, that, that I think was why I dove in so deep for into, into WH at that time. Cause I was a sports kid. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and at that time, you know, it was the nineties in the early and mid two thousands. It was still, um, 
to be a guy in the theater was not the best place to be. And so, and so I was always kind of loosely interested in that kind of stuff, but I never actually took the leap. I never did a play. I never did speech. My younger brother did speech and loved it. And that's one of my high school regrets is not having done that. Um, Cause he really enjoyed it, but no, I never, I was 0% artistic uh, until, until dance really. And that's Art wild because like you're saying you wanted to do speech, but it's, it's funny because now you, I mean, you have a podcast so you speak oh. and then you do comedy. So it's like you, you skipped all those levels and like went to a higher level and it's like working out so great for you, you know? Yeah. Plenty of speaking these days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe more than I need sometimes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. WH unlocked that creative bug in you and just you kept buzzing along. Yep. Yep. I, I, uh, I have, uh, Having an audience is uh, one of my favorite things and it remains, uh, whether it's dancing or speaking or doing comedy or whatever, it's uh, uh, me and an audience has uh, always been a good relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like the light up feeling of like, ooh, like, yep. <laughs> that moment. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know that moment. Oh God, yeah. I was telling <laughs> someone yesterday, uh, I was making a comment about comedy um, and it relates to, to really, I think anything where you're performing is if the person in front of a big group ends up becoming like a lightning rod for all of the energy in the room. Mm -hmm. And, and I, it's, it's tiring at times, uh, yes. and, and, and socially exhausting too, because all of those eyes are pointing at you and all the energy goes with it through you and then back out. And that's, you can really feel you viscerally, you feel it and dance. Uh, and to some extent, I still have it in comedy, but that that is the thing is having all that energy all on you at once is uh, that's a rush I I haven't uh, found elsewhere yet. Yeah. Like those moments when we would be in dances and you could feel everyone like moving together and you're just yep. like, oh, you're like, we hit that move. I know it happened. Like, you know, it's it's like a moment. And the crowd is going wild. You yes. just feed yeah. off of it. Oh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God, yeah. Yes. So good. It's like, it's giving me like goosebumps. Damn, I got it up on that. Energy. Right. So I, I, I just have to know, when did you make the jump to comedy? Because yeah, yeah. when I first saw you doing that, I was like, that is so freaking cool. And I've said on the pod, it is my bucket list to do like an open mic. Cause I think it would be so much freaking fun, but it scares the shit out of me. You got so, You have to do it because it's scary. That's yeah. the mm -hmm. Um, I, so my comedy story is a funny one. Uh, there's there's the bulk of it, and then there's a funny little origin story. Um, so <laughs> I first got into it in 2015. Um, I was living with Seth, who I mentioned before at the time in Cedar Rapids, and we had talked for a while. We were we're I've always been a comedy fan. Ever I was a young kid. We it was a big. Our whole family we watched. We got together and watched. Um, uh, the blue collar comedy tour was a big one for our house. That's yeah. one of my first, first comedy memories watching that with my parents. And um, the, so we were watching a lot of comedy at the time and I had talked about, oh yeah, maybe that's something I, that I could get into. I, I liked public speaking. I had never really thought about it specifically, but there was an open mic in Cedar Rapids. Um, and so we went to it a few times just to watch and see, uh, you know, what it was like. And um, I have the, uh, the, you know, you decide for yourself whether this is a good quality or not. But if I watch someone do something for a not that long of a time, I'll start going, I could do that. I could definitely. <laughs> yep. That's and an so, awesome skill though. Like <laughs> so that was we started watching comics and I was like, I could do that. I could, yeah, I could, I think we could figure that out. And so him, Seth and I actually started writing jokes together for the first 
probably six months I was a comic, we we wrote jointly and I performed. Um, and that was a really fun time. I still tell some of the first jokes that I ever wrote uh, from that time, which was really cool. So yeah, I just started going to open mics um, in Cedar Rapids for about the first year or so that I was a comic. And then I kind of tapered off uh, from it because at that time in Cedar Rapids, um, if, well, there could have been a lot of reasons, uh, but I, I didn't get, I wasn't getting uh, booked on a show. I hadn't, I wasn't able to get to the level where I was going to get booked for a paid show. And I was really fresh to it. So it was, it would have been really, it would have been silly for me to expect that, but I'm also a uh, I have ADHD. I have to get, I have to have the gratification. So I'm not just going to go to 50 open mics and not get a show. So eventually I started kind of slowing down with it. And then, um, when I moved, uh, to Oregon in 2018, that was the first thing I went to. Cause I was like, how am I going to meet people? Okay. I'll go to comedy. Cause I know how to talk to comics. I understand comics. I'm, I, by that time I knew I had good jokes. So I was like, okay, I'll, if you ever need to make friends, go to an open mic and be decent and every comic will come talk to you. <laughs> yeah. That's how I met a lot of my friends here in, in Bend. That's how I met my girlfriend uh, actually was oh, at an open mic. That's We've awesome. been together for, for four years now. Um, and so that's, yeah, it was just, just started by going to an open mic and, and writing some jokes um, and just kept at it. And, and when I started again in Oregon pretty quickly, um, they did identify me as someone they wanted to book for shows. And so um, I pretty quickly got into that part of it. And that, that was kind of 2019 was my first paid show. And I've had with exception to the bulk of COVID a show or two a month, basically since then. Uh, so it's, it's stayed pretty consistent, but my actual comedy origin story that I tell, uh, I think you guys will get a kick out of, uh, so my senior year, my very last dub eight show, actually, um, I was president and we had set up a pretty ambitious setup for the show where we had video intros for all the dances. So there'd yeah. be a dance and then a video intro. And it, there was so many moving parts. We had like a screen come down from the ceiling and a projector. And, and, and the way that we had all of it work was we made one super long movie on iMovie that had um, like the dance with a black screen and then the video and then da, 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 da. So once we started the show, we couldn't really stop it. And, yeah. and, and if we, if we somehow got out of line, we were, it was going to be just a nightmare. And that happened. We got like two dances into the show and we were running it off. It's so stupid to think about now. We were running <laughs> it off of my personal like laptop which at the time was like five years old because I'd, I'd use the same one all through college. And the freaking thing forced an update, like a Windows update <laughs> during this thing. And so we're trying to get the screen back on and literally in packed jammed house, like Saturday, Friday night show, thousand yeah. people audience and the blue screen that says like Windows update. <laughs> oh no. And I am mortified. And um, it ended up being a really, uh, like a 10 or 15 minute delay. We had to stop the show and wait for my computer to boot up <laughs> backup plan. And then we started again from that point. So once everything stopped, it was, we had all this momentum built. Everyone was excited for the start of the show. We were a couple dances in and then stopped. And so I was like, well, okay, how are we going to keep things moving? And so I just grabbed the microphone and walked out on stage. And I had no idea what I was going to do, but I walked out. I kind of explained what was happening. Hey, we got a computer thing. It's a really stupid thing, but I'm going to have to try to kind of keep you guys going for 15 minutes. 
I told a couple stories about Dub H. Um, like my grandma was in the audience. So I picked on her a little bit and just talked a little bit and, you know, the whole, where are you from? Who came the farthest kind of just, just was talking to fill the time. Mm-hmm. And I, now I didn't, I didn't realize it then, but now I look back at that and I'm pretty sure that was my comedy origin story. Cause it was me alone on stage with the mic. And I felt super comfortable. I got a lot of comments afterwards of people being like, oh, you handled that tough situation really well. Um, and you were pretty funny. Like it was cool that you were out there talking and stuff. And so it took me a few years after that, or about a year after that to, to translate it to, to comedy. But that I, that I like to say is my origin story, just because uh, that was, uh, I have a really specific uh, mm-hmm. memory of that happening. And, and that's mm-hmm. a fun too. what what year was that uh of the show that would have been 24 that would have been 2014 april of 2014 okay i i was trying to figure out because i remember the year we went oh it must have been gosh a little after because i know we took eli like after he was like uh, freshly born <laughs> and that would have been 2015 and okay, i was yeah. like i remember a projector but i don't remember that happening <laughs> yeah uh, they've done it since then but we we did it I think we did it for two different shows uh, when I was there and it always was, it always sucked to do, but it was awesome for the show. We got a lot of compliments on it, but it was, I'm sure the people in there now are better with the tech and are able to do it a lot more smoothly. But um, we were really uh, trying to build a house out of popsicle sticks there. Uh, those yeah. first couple times. <laughs> but again, that, okay. There's a couple of things with that story. Like one, it like really just shows like how creative you were mm-hmm. as a president and how creative you were like, with your team and like you know the club like all of that because like yeah just thinking of that from a whole production standpoint and also like you know us being in WH before that and everything just thinking of like the little times when we're in Forker and just like showing up you know having little signs and stuff like that like it also just shows the progression of like how WH went and then two it also just shows like your resilience again as well that you were like so comfortable to just be like okay whatever I don't know what's gonna happen here but I'm just gonna take the mic and go like we'll just (laughs) see what happens you know and so that's that's just awesome that's so cool that that was your origin story and that just like got you going you know oh yeah well they're the what's the quote um necessity is the father of invention or something like that uh and so it was always I mean that was the dub h was always that we want to do this thing we don't, we don't have a ton of resources. We've got some, we've got people. Uh, so how, what can, how can we use what we have to figure it out? You know, and yeah, you know, like filling up a sorority house and painting a backdrop with, you know, or, or the computer thing, like you you take what you've got and cobble it together into the thing you want it to be. And for the most part, it was, that was always a really rewarding experience. Like when you figure it out, because yeah. I know now the iMovie thing was not the best way to do that but it was the best way we could think of then. And it worked uh, for the most part. So um, it was, it was good. I I do. I, I love being in those kind of situations where you're, you don't have an option. You you have to figure something out. And uh, I think that brings out the best in, in people most of the time, myself included. Um, I was on a show just last night uh, here in central Oregon and the comics, we all got there and the venue had not booked a host. Uh, to like bring us on and do the whole, you know, don't flash photography and stuff like that. And so I had to shift and and instead of doing what I thought I was going to do, uh, I was the host now. And so I think when when you're in that type of any type of performance thing, you've got to be flexible uh, mm-hmm. and willing to shift because for whatever reason, uh, whether it's plays or dance recitals or or shows or 
comedy shows, something is always kind of wrong and you got to figure out a solution. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Things rarely go perfect. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the it's the whole like show must go on theory, you know, yeah. aspect of it as well. And then like the messy falling forward, you know, like even though you might not know that the the end result's gonna be amazing, you still have to like fall forward to make something happen, you know, like even though yep. it might be really messy or whatever, but it's gonna happen in the end and you're gonna learn from whatever you you put out kind of thing. Yep. I love going into a show because you know, occasionally we get we get a show and you know, not very many people show up or something like that. Or if it's mm-hmm. it's in a venue that's too loud or, you know, I've done so many venues where I can hear the bartender shaking drinks and it's like, yeah, that's frustrating and, and it, it's annoying. But yeah, you, like you said, the show has to go on. Some version of this we're gonna, is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, it could be a version where I responded poorly and didn't have a good show, or it can be the version where we did the best that we could in this environment and at the end of it, we'll look back and say whether or not it was good. But you, yeah, you really only have the option to plow ahead and, you know, can't really worry how it's going to turn out until it's done. Um, right. That's been helpful for me. It's like, all right, just step into it and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes those like really messy moments too are like the ones that end up being like the best too. Or yeah. like later on you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many things that like went wrong, but that like, that was our best show or that was our best moment. Or I did that so well, or like I didn't land that last time and here I am or whatever it is, you know, like it's always those like messy ones that end up being like the beautiful messes or whatever. Yep. I don't know. You know? <laughs> yep. Oh, the blooper, the blooper reel. Uh, that was a big thing that we, uh, when we were dancing, we, we would get, you know, you get together and watch the video back after the big uh, show. And we spent way more time on the bloopers than any of the stuff that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still can remember some of like the slips and people doing this instead of that. And um, yeah, they stick out way better than the times when you nailed it always. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, watching those WH videos is so much fun. Like every couple of years we will pull it out. And oh, you got to. Oh man, I'm, I'm like feeling like I need to watch some. I'm like feeling. It's been a while since we. I'm feeling the bug. <laughs> yeah. We tried. We tried showing Eli. We're like, Eli, look, it's 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 mom, it's dad, and at that point, he like could have cared less. Like he wanted to watch Elmo or something, but yeah, I think now it, he would want to. It oh, is yeah. really funny, like showing people that like weren't <laughs> age, like because then you sit there and you're like, oh my gosh, we're like this moment, like this is so cool, and, like blah blah, and people oh. are just sitting there like, okay, <laughs> you guys are just dancing, like that's awesome, and you're like, no, but right, there's so and much. That we were so invested because we knew everybody in it, yes, and also just dance has evolved <laughs> rapidly. That I mean, yes, I'm still impressed with a lot of the dances, but there are some mine included that I choreographed I'm like oh man I definitely did like a one two three four five six seven eight count and it took 16 counts to get to the new formation and <laughs> just oh yep you have to add the dub eight shuffle in there uh like right, everyone... right. just like the costumes the yeah just all those <laughs> it's oh, such yeah, a hard you can't bring someone into it who wasn't there. That's the, I've tried. I've tried a lot of times. I've, I've my poor to. girlfriend has seen, I think every show that I have a video of and, and every time she's like, all right, all right, we'll do this for you. But yeah, I'm, it's always like, you don't get it though. You you just don't understand it. And it's a hard, uh, uh, I wish more people did understand it because it was a sweet time, but um, yeah. you know, everybody's got their own version of that. I think from some yeah. point in their lives. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's something that we'll all hold, we'll hold together, you know, like it's a memory that we'll all hold yeah. and like, 
it's it's fine. It's fine if people don't get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's but, not for them. Anymore. And I love like that Dub H also still keeps like generations of students dancers together because there is a whole other like there's multiple other groups like us who are still friends, but we have no idea who they are. But yep. they came together for like the same thing. Like right. I think if anyone knew everybody, probably would be Travis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was. Uh, this was sometime in the last year. Um, I think they were getting ready to have the 15 year. Um, no, it couldn't have been 20. It had to have been 20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. And some of the like current, uh, current WH people were, um, they had gotten together and were showing a lot of like old show videos and someone had posted to the, this Instagram story for Dub H, um, like, watching watching the oldies or the classics or some some version of that like look at this old ass dub eight show and it was me <laughs> and, I was, and i messaged them i was like no way this is me and they were like oh my gosh who the hell are you and i was like oh yeah da, da. and we just chatted back and forth for a little bit and they're like oh it's really cool that you reached out and uh so yeah there is still that community there and and it's um you know, they still will occasionally welcome an old guy to reminisce for a, a couple texts. Oh God, tell yeah. him to go on YouTube because there are some. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there are some blurry ass pixelated. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and I also think it's so cool too. Like even like we're us talking about it in the sense of like how I think from the social aspect, like not even just like you know the dancing and like all the tech, like all the stuff, but just the social aspect of like how like there's so many people you know that when they first go to college like they might not have a lot of friends or they might be really stressed about going to college or they might not know about joining groups or doing all these different things and it just adds that extra layer of like I don't know that extra layer of like that social moment where it's like hey I did this club and then I met all of these people that I never would have probably met or yeah I tried out dancing and maybe I never danced before or something you know like all those different things which is beyond like even when you think about it from that perspective and the fact that it was like one of the biggest clubs like that is wild you know yeah it's really nuts that's the thing that's been even now um as an adult like when I'm when I think about okay how do you make friends like I I was 26 when I moved to Oregon I was like how the heck am I gonna make friends you you gotta find an activity and and for me it was comedy here it was dance back in college and you, you get into a group that wants to do something, you know, out here, it's a lot of sport, like mountain climbers or mountain bikers, or it's a lot of sport related stuff. And you get into a group of other people who like mountain biking and it's, there's an accountant in the group and a lawyer in the group, but then there's, there's a bartender in the group and a musician in the group. And that's, that's how it was for us too. I would not have met either of you guys based on our majors in school, same with Travis or basically anybody else. I I was a statistics major. There wasn't a lot of us dancing. Oh my so, God. I only have to take one stat class. God bless yeah. you. God. <laughs> so it is. I think that's how you keep things diverse is, is if you base it around interests, it's a lot easier to have you know, people are coming to the same interest from a lot of different angles. And so I, I think that's, I think that's why you end up seeing things like that. Cause yeah. a hobby can be a lot more of a connector than almost anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, like those dub H friends are the ones that we've like ho- held true for like so long too. So it's also funny talking to adults and new people that you meet now where it's kind of like, oh yeah, these are my friends that I've had since I was in this hip hop club. Like these are the friends I've had for so long. And like, we have all these great memories and it just, it's, again, it's a very special, like, moment in time yeah 
Well, and everyone's doing yeah. such different stuff now. You know, yeah. you can go through, go through your LinkedIn list and like filter it for people you met in dub H and there's, there's doctors, there's pro wrestlers, there's comedians, <laughs> there's everything under the sun out of that same really group. Is. And we've been apart long enough that the net is really wide now. I mean, there's people coast to coast, there's people in other countries in like every profession. Um, so it is, I mean, it was a big net, even, yeah. even for the biggest club on campus. So like, you know, we started from a big number, but you know, as time goes on and people get further away, it's like, oh yeah, I know someone, I, I know someone who's an actor in Atlanta mm -hmm. and they're, but I know them because I danced with them 10 years ago. Like, yeah, you know, that's always really fun stuff to kind of track back to. Or even when we mm -hmm. talk about like Foster, I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like and everything, we're like, what? Like, talking about the stories that seem more uh that don't seem as exciting unless you stop and think about them i when magic mike was happening yeah uh someone was like oh i was on the plane i was going to vegas for like a, it was actually a guy's trip um that i'm getting ready to go on in a few weeks again and i was sitting next to someone and i asked them what are you stoked to do in vegas and they said i'm going to the magic mike show i was like oh i know one of those guys and we talked for like a while about it They're like what and uh, yeah, it's fun to be able to be like, oh yeah, I know, I know someone who does that, or I know, I know that guy. I met him whenever ago. And yeah. uh, one of the kid, one of the guys, you, I don't, you guys didn't intersect with very much, if at all. Um, but a guy by the name of Devin uh, Daniels, um, who was oh, a couple yep. behind me, he was in the the Super Bowl halftime show with the weekend. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, and that was a big. Oh yeah, I know that guy. I danced next to him a bunch of times. I'm pulling up all the videos of me dancing next to him. I'm like, see, <laughs> right, exactly. That's the thing. You gotta like have those receipts where you're like, wait, I know those people. Here they are. Here they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because one of my, I still laugh when this photo comes up on memories is because it's me and B, and then you, Devin, and Loren. Because yeah. we joked, we're like, oh, you three are our children. Like, and yes, <laughs> we have a little biracial baby to prove it. But we used to joke because, yeah, we, well, D was, uh, yeah, super senior doing, you just hang yeah. out, you know? And yeah, but my senior, I think it was my junior and senior year when, like, you guys were around. So I know the exact photo you're talking about. We're going to yep. pose. We're doing the, this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, from the one from the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, see the moments, the memories and time, like there it is, like just bringing it all back, bringing it all back full circle. <laughs> we reminisce a lot on this podcast. So. It's a fun thing to do. I don't, I, you know, there's people who, you know, like there's the, the whole Bruce Springsteen glory days kind of thing. And then there's the, I, I'm not a buyer in that. I don't think it's hacky. I like, I talk to people that one of the common, like, uh, uh, I don't know, things that people will make fun of people online for is like, oh, this is a guy who like hasn't hasn't left his high school football team. He still wants to talk about his high school football highlights. Mm -hmm. Like, I love talking about high school sports. I think it's fun. I like to yeah. run this. I don't think that's hacky. Mm -hmm. um, I think more people, I think I don't think people should be embarrassed about doing that because it was fun. It was good. It was important. And, you know, I, I don't want to let go of those things. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think yuck, someone's that. young. That's mm -hmm. what we say in my, my <laughs> diet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and it's also one of those things too, where it's kind of like, 
again, those are great memories that people had, you know, and it lights them up and it makes them excited. And it, people can relate to those things too. Like us talking about dub H and all those different things. Like maybe someone that wasn't in dub H that's listening to this, but at least they can think about, oh man, let me think about some of the times that I had with my friends or like, oh, maybe I haven't called up someone in a while or something like that. Like everyone can pull something from somewhere. And like, when you start bringing up stories and just like bringing up your own passions, like people attached to those types of things like it's it's bad if you're always pushing for the forward and never ever thinking about like anything that kind of shaped you to where you are today you know yeah. like think about when someone does like an award speech they're not like okay I'm only thinking about t- tomorrow you know they're like wait when I had this professor or when I had this moment and blah 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 like they're thinking about things that happen in their life that are shaping them to who they are today so it's like yeah. there shouldn't be anything wrong with that now, I, I think you got to keep those things. I think it keeps you grounded for one thing to remember where you were, but also it just, if you don't go back and remember some of that stuff, you forget it. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you, if someone, I was home, uh, uh, last summer, <clears throat> a friend of mine got married, uh, that I went to, I, one of the first kids I ever met, met him when I was like four years old. And, um, we went to school together for the whole time, uh, in up through high school, but we didn't stay super tight then. Um, but he, I got invited to his wedding and we went back and he pulled out some stories of Mm -hmm. things I hadn't even thought about in 15 years. And there are things I would have never, I would have forgotten about. I would never would have thought of those stories again, uh, unless he brought them up. And so it is, you got to refresh that stuff or you lose it. That's Mm -hmm. the, so I'm always, I'm always for, uh, for a good reminiscing. I, I don't, I disagree with people who don't, who don't like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, you know, it's the, it's the sentimental part in me that likes to reminisce about stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, it also makes me think too about like family, like when you're young and if you have like, if you're lucky and have your grandparents or uncles or aunts, whoever like tell you like stories about their childhood, like that's a way to connect you to like their experience. And I'm just thinking of that now only because my grandma would tell the same stories over and over and we'd get so annoyed. But now that she's not here, it's like, oh, she was like the one person connecting us to like all these other like branches of our family tree. And so that's kind of where my mind went. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how you keep people around too, is by talking about them and thinking about them like that. I've really, um, this is really silly, but uh, the movie Coco, first of all ruined me but also (laughs) that that whole thing of their their philosophy is you you exist in the afterlife as long as someone remembers you and then you're gone when they stop remembering you and that stuck in my head and has Mm -hmm. stayed there I'm like so I'm a I'm a buyer in that as a way to keep people around by talking about them and thinking about them and having memories and um yeah I think that's I just think that's such a nice little beautiful thing yeah Mm -hmm. yes yes oh remember me so good so good and i and i still remember when nikki bella danced to it on uh dancing with the stars too yes yes (laughs) so many memories (laughs) too many oh my gosh well with like your comedy career and everything so have you just in general have you had one performance that literally like you left and you were like I freaking crushed it like this was like my moment like where was it what were you doing Ooh. what happened so I have follow-ups to that so <laughs> I've had a few I've got two I'm gonna cheat I have two different answers um, <laughs> I've had a few um I've had a few shows that make me really proud 
from the kind of that obvious angle of it means I'm progressing or I got approval from someone I've opened for a couple guys. Um, Kyle Kinane is one who's got a national, some na- national name recognition. And he was one where I did a show I crushed. He told me afterwards, Hey, I really appreciate your stuff. Keep at it. Um, the audience members that were there were really great. And when I posted about having done it, a bunch of people from everywhere were reaching out like, holy crap, you open for that guy. So awesome. that was really a highlight for me, just from a like a purely professional kind of standpoint in terms of progressing. Um, but my favorite show that I point to, um, a lot of my material is about uh, is about things that some people think are political that I don't think are. Uh, I talk a lot about race. I talk a lot about sex and gender um, and sexuality. And I'm I'm almost always coming from an angle um, that in certain uh, rooms, people would go, oh, you're one of those and then kind of discard. And I have a lot of fun with that because I've always found that um, when you have people who don't want to talk uh I'm just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bury the lead. A, a lot of times people on the conservative, deep on the conservative side of the spectrum don't want to talk about certain topics. Absolutely. And I've been able to, through my comedy, uh, talk to those people about those topics and, and with comedy, try to bring it to their level so that they can laugh through it. And hopefully while they're laughing, they'll learn something without realizing it. That's a lot mm-hmm. of my comedy is kind of based around that. Smart, and, smart. Uh, art comedy yeah smart Smart comedy smart comedy yeah i try it's you know it's the it's the 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 really high-minded full of myself pretentious version of me it's like i want to teach people stuff while they're laughing and (laughs) um, gives you purpose yeah yeah and so i did a show in a town um there's a town about an hour away from where i live called prineville and in bend where i live it's it's kind of a liberal city, but there's a lot of mixture, but there's, you know, there's a lot of everything going on. And so not a lot of what I say is controversial here. Um, and when I booked a show in Prineville, uh, a lot of people were were seriously said, are you sure you're going to go there? Like, are you going to feel OK mm-hmm. going to that city? Um, and there were people like, do you have anyone? You're not going alone, are you? You're going to go with someone to that show. And I did. I had like a carpool of people. Um and so it was one of those where it could have been a show where they really weren't feeling me and I was really uncomfortable and not feeling safe, but I grew up in Iowa. And so I've met a lot of people. <laughs> and this is why I think I can do this on stage is because I know these people, I know how to talk to them. I know you can talk to them about these things. You just can't talk at them about, right. about those topics. Um, right. And so it was a set where I had some things that I knew were risky to say, um, but I wanted to say them and I had, um, this was in 2019. So we were leading up to the 2020 election and there was one specific table that had five or six people that all had the red hat on. And Mm. that made me really nervous, but they were, they were cutting up and they came up and shook my hands afterwards um, and said that I had a great set. And that was one of, one of the biggest laughs I've gotten still to this day was a, a punchline I gave in that room that was about them um, it was a joke about how people from my city think of them as like a bunch of hillbillies. Mm-hmm. And so I have a joke that I tell in Bend about Prineville that is, uh, oh yeah, those hillbillies and everyone in Bend laughs. Well, I went to Prineville and told them everyone in Bend thinks you're a bunch of hillbillies. <laughs> and, yes. 
<laughs> and uh, elaborated on that. And they they thought it was killer and they were really welcoming and really sweet. And so it was just an example of how, you know, uh, you, you, you can't judge a book by its cover or, or, or mm-hmm. reputation or whatever it is. You know, if everyone is there wanting to have fun and is open, then you can. And so right. there's not a lot of rooms I don't feel comfortable going in anymore, especially because of that show. So that that was a big highlight for me. That's so Good. awesome. Yeah. Oh, bringing people together. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. To. And like <laughs> laughter, know. laughter does bring people together though, too. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if people are laughing in the room, like you feel that it's a whole thing. And it's kind of like, that is good that you can bring that like smart level of like comedy to the rooms because like you said, like sometimes people walk in and not think that they're going to learn something. And then later on, they're like, oh my gosh, I thought yeah. about that. <laughs> you know, yeah. the risk there is you have to be funny. That's yeah. the thing 100%. you'll hear about, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks will talk about um, cancel culture or, um, you know, are you going to talk about this topic? It's a risky topic. And, it, and people, oh, is there stuff you can't joke about? I say, no, I joke about whatever, as long as it's funny. You know, yeah. if, if someone's stopping to think, oh, that joke, offends me or I disagree or I I'm going to cancel this guy they weren't laughing if they were laughing they didn't ha- they didn't have time to have that thought mm-hmm. and so that's what I always tell other comics who are like oh how do you get into these issues of race and things without being nervous I'm like I'm funny uh you know if I can make you laugh I don't care whether you agree with what I said you laughed at the joke that's what you came here to do so mm-hmm. you know that's the anyone who's complaining about you know I'm gonna get can- I think they're not funny that's that's usually my mm-hmm. uh my response to them is be funnier and you won't have to worry about that Right. And then if you always go in with the intention of like, this is going to be a safe space, like this isn't, I'm not trying to go here to like piss people off. You know what I mean? Then like everyone has like a mutual agreement, whether they know it or not, you know what I mean? Cause like you yep. should, even if it's not a laughing setting, you should be able to like talk about race and sexuality and gender and all those things. Like as l- long as you're not going in with the intention of like trying to hurt people while you're talking to them right. about it, you yeah. know? Be good faith. As long as you're a good faith comedian who's trying to make people laugh, and if it's a good faith audience that wants to laugh, mm-hmm. I've never had a problem. Yeah, right. totally. I want to know if you've had a like, a, just you bombed uh, one night. I want to hear about a yeah. time that you're like, oh shit, that did not go as planned, or like an embarrassing story, just your funniest moments, kind of uh, in that regard. You're yeah. for real. <laughs> the you know, it's always, these are the things we learn the most from, right? So Mm -hmm. I had a show, it was, as we were coming out of COVID, it was one of my first few shows. And um, pre-COVID, the habit that I was always in was that, um, you know, I get nervous before shows, I still do. And so I would arrive to the show, I would have one Corona, and then I would do my set. That was, I was religious with it. I would always, they, they'd be waiting for me with the Corona when I walked into these places sometimes. And, um, and, but then, so that was pre COVID and then COVID happens. We have marijuana legal here as well. Um, and so I had a show that I was really excited for because there's a comic, um, uh, oh my gosh, now his name is escaping me, but he's one of my favorite comics. He's not a big name that you'd have heard of, um, but he's been through Bend a few times. And I really like him because he's a working professional who also is a pretty high level comic. Um, And he's a black comic as well. And we don't get a lot of them through Bend. And so (laughs) the first time I met him, we kind of had a really good rapport and he was coming back to town and I was getting to open for him. So I was really excited um, to see him again. And 
uh, earlier in that day, I had been, I had been smoking and I um, got to the show and I was sober, but only just, and um, I get up there and I wasn't, I kept stumbling through all my jokes, jokes. I knew I'm like fumbling through uh, stuttering, having to go back, forgetting a, a part of the joke, um, getting things out of order. It was just really awkward and bad. And, and the hard thing about a bomb is when uh, you want to get off stage, but you can't because you have to get a big laugh before you get off stage. And when you're bombing, it's like, okay, well, I got to try another joke now to try to get the laugh. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So I spent like way more time out there than I wanted to. And I knew it was bad. And I wasn't comfortable because I was really in my head about trying to remember my material. And it was in front of this guy that I really respected. And, um, it, it ended up, it wasn't, I don't think it seemed as bad from the audience perspective as I felt like it was. Um, and he, we did, I did talk to him afterwards and he gave me a couple kind of pointers and, and punchlines and things to try to use, which was still really cool. So he was awesome. But ever since then, I don't use anything up until on the day of a show. I don't use anything until I'm on stage because there's, there's the element of, um, loosening up, uh, you know, I get that, but there's also you have to be sharp up here and and you you'll, you've you know comics who do it drunk um a lot of the time a lot of comics that you think are drunk on stage aren't by the way um because it's really hard to do you're trying to think you're trying to think of what you're talking about and be in the room and it's really hard to do both of those things if you're not sober and so that that was the ugliest bomb i was really embarrassed by that show and that was the, the takeaway was okay i got to take seriously being sharp and being ready. Otherwise that can happen. And I don't want that to happen again. So I'm pretty uh, particular now about, I've, I've broken that rule occasionally for like a beer, but for the most part, yeah. And we're always getting offered free drinks. And I was just, after I'm, after I'm done, I'll turn it up with, I'll turn it up for sure. But <laughs> up until I'm on stage, I gotta, I gotta be clear-minded. And, and nowadays I've got to think about having eaten and having slept, you know, you just got to take care of your brain um, mm -hmm. to be able to do that at a decent level. So that was kind of my takeaway from that, but that was a tough, that was a tough lesson, uh, you yeah. know, and then, then you got to wait, you know, a week or a month or whenever my next show was. And that was what was in my memory. And so beat myself up pretty good about that one, but I, I learned from it what I think I needed to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those are the times you learn and it, it sucks in the moment. Yeah. Or especially yeah. if you get that self-limiting belief, just ruminating on it. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, and at the time I thought, oh, I can't, I can't go on stage without a beer. Now I've learned, yeah, I'm going to be nervous, but I'll be fine. Once I get up there and start, uh, then it's all, you know, I'm in the rhythm and it's cool. Um, but yeah. And I've had bombs since then, but for other reasons, like now, uh, my thing now is I, it's always on the table that you can bomb. Uh, mm -hmm. and there's a million reasons why that could happen. But my thing is, I'm never going to bomb because I wasn't prepared. That's my rule. Like, I'm going to be ready with my set and I'm going to be clear minded. And so if I bomb, um, you know, it it's going to be because something happened in the environment or the audience wasn't there for me or they just didn't think I was funny or maybe I just didn't really have it that day. But it's not going to be because I wasn't prepared. So that's that's my rule now is, is you know, always being ready, um, ready to do in a real way, ready, uh, you know, with you know, I'm taking notes and rewriting things and working through sets and walking around in my apartment, practicing my movements and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people who I know who are really great writers, but don't do that part of it. 
And I, that's the biggest difference maker. A lot of the biggest comics, you know, are terrible writers, um, but they're so great on stage. They have such great energy. Um, and you've got to think about all that stuff. You got to take it all into account. Um, and so it's been a really fun learning process. Uh, you know, that was just one, the clear mind thing was just one lesson, but I've picked up a lot over the years, um, just on, on performing in general and, um, uh, and, and just creating a good environment, uh, to have a show and coming in with the right attitude and stuff. It's, there's a lot of work that you see that doesn't take place on stage that if you don't do it, you're way more likely to bomb. Um, right. and if you do do it, I, I haven't had a bomb bomb. I, I got a knock on wood. I shouldn't say this out loud. I have, <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I bombed. I don't, I don't remember it happening. I've had bad sets, but nothing that I would constitute as a bomb in a very long time because of that. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, like get through like writer's block, you know, like, how, do you ever have mm. those moments or like, what do you do to kind of like yeah. get you through that? I had writer's block basically all of COVID and it drove me insane. Yeah. Um, I, because I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I have, I finally have all this time. I think a lot of people went through this, right? Yes. Uh, I finally have all this time. I I could write hours of material and I, I didn't not a, not a single joke. I didn't write anything during COVID. Mm -hmm. And what I, what that taught me was that I have, and this is another ADHD thing for me is I have to have a reason. Otherwise I'm not going to do it. So if I have my next show booked, I'm writing. Uh, yeah. if I don't, I'm not. And so, um, writer's block for me happens when I don't have momentum. Um, right now I've done mm -hmm. a handful of shows in the last month. So I'm really in the zone. Um, and when, if I'm, if I'm getting on stage, um, then the, the writing just kind of falls out, um, in between those events. So like, you know, I had a show last night, I'll have another show next week. So I'll have to go to open mic on Monday. And so I'll probably write something new for that. So it's really easy when you're in the mode and you're in the rhythm of it. Um, for me, at least the other thing I found is I have to get out of my house and do shit. Yeah. Uh, I have to yes. experience stuff. Otherwise I, I can't get inspired by sitting at home. Um, I've got to be talking to people and hear a story or go out in the world and have something funny to happen to me. Um, cause a lot of the, I, I don't often sit down to write, um, things will, will come to me and I'll put them in my phone really quick and then I'll flesh them out later. So I got it. Something has to happen to trigger that. And so I've got to be active. Otherwise I'm not writing at all. So that's, that's my block. And when that happens, you know, if I go into a, if I have a period of time when I'm, you know, just shut in and doing this at home, I'm not writing. I'll, I'll have writer's block guaranteed. So for me, it's, it, it happens, but it's all about just being active. Um, that keeps me, that keeps me juiced up and, and moving. And then, you know, you can pay attention to the news is another way to help. There's always something in the headlines you can write a joke about. So there's ways to work out of that really intentionally. But for me, it's just about how active I am. Right. Mm -hmm. Inspiration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you have to do things. You got to go I'm, find it. It I doesn't just fall out that. of the air. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. And like walking around in nature just like helps so much too. Cause then you're just like, Ooh, you can hear things. Then your brain is a little bit more clear, you know, even though you yeah. think, you think if you're like sitting and thinking to yourself, like, okay, think, 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 like you're not, oh, nothing's so going to come out. Like, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> well, and you have to be, the way I put it sometimes is I have to get bored. Uh, if it, for me to really, for me to really get inspired, I have to get bored first. And it, because if you're, I mean, you know how it is, if you're, uh, you know, you're working and then you're, you're watching TV and you're texting and, and you're on the Instagram, but if you like put everything away for a second and just sit, 
for, and it won't take long. <laughs> you just sit there for a few minutes and get bored and then just sit in it for a little bit. Stuff will, your brain will do that on its own. It's what it's made to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll start shooting stuff off that maybe you can use, maybe you can't. And so you can't, for me, I can't be, I have to be active, but I can't be so active that I don't have time to stop. Uh, mm -hmm. So I've got to be doing stuff, but then I've, I've got to stop doing the stuff and and let the brain kind of do its thing. Cause you know, if, if, if you don't stop and take a break, it, you know, it, your brain's busy doing the stuff you're doing. You don't have time to do weird, dumb jokes about cats. Like it, it, there's no time to think about that if I'm just working all day. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's a good mindfulness practice to like yeah. actually sit in yeah. distress. That's where I picked it up. My therapist gave me that one. She's like, go get bored. And mm -hmm. uh, I was like, I hate being yeah. bored, but it works. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of people don't like yoga because you have to like sit with your thoughts, okay. you know, you have yeah. to like quiet your mind and like let your, your most, body do yeah. the rest, you know, and that's, that's what most the hardest of our unhealthy part. coping skills yep. come from that people wanting to avoid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Oh, I love I that you're it. in therapy. Everyone needs therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I will shout it from the rooftops. Every, everybody should go. It's, mm -hmm. uh, I love it. I, I met with my therapist yesterday and it was awesome. I always come out of it feeling really good. Um, and I have a great one. You know, I, I know some people have an issue, have issues trying to find who they fit with and all of that stuff. Right. I've been really lucky in that regard. Um, but Linda's my therapist name and she's remarkable. I'm a speed talker a lot. And she, she does such a good job of digesting, uh, what it is I'm freaking out about and then gently handing it back to me. Uh, <laughs> and it's, I, I don't know. I, especially having moved out here, um, I had a really tight support group back home. And out here, I'm kind of on my own. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so I had to, I was, that wasn't an option for me. I was like, I got to, I got to talk to someone about that stuff. Cause otherwise I'll spin out. Um, Cause I was, I was, I had started doing it when I was still in Iowa, but I was like, okay, I got to make sure and plug back in um, to that because, you know, I mean, so much of what we're doing, it, your day, my day job too. I'm not a bricklayer. I'm it's here. That's my day job is, is financial planning. I, that's all brain stuff. My comedy is all brain stuff. Um, got to take care of your brain. Got to mm -hmm. take care of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so important. <laughs> it's the, to me, it's the only thing I'm like, I yeah. could take, you, something might happen to me. I might lose my legs tomorrow, but I could still do my job and do comedy without them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's uh, people prioritize different things and all that, but I, I wish people treated thought about the way they treat their brains and their mindset as much as it's easy to think about, you know, your, your exercise and working out and your diet and, mm -hmm. um, and how you're taking care of your body. And, and I've learned a lot about how much of that stuff does work up into your brain. And that's been really helpful for me, but yeah, it's, it's a non, it's a non-negotiable. You gotta, you gotta have your brain, right. Otherwise you can't have healthcare without mental health. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you see all these people now, I mean, everybody it, in five seconds, you could think of five people who seem to have it all figured out or have everything they would have wanted, but can't handle it and fall apart. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that happens every day and it's people just haven't taken care of, of, of their head. And so it's really hard to do anything else for a long time. You can do something for a little bit, but right. do anything for a long time takes some real maintenance up here. That's mm -hmm. in my opinion. hundred percent. Yeah. Mindset and your mind is key. It's all, it's all the big, it's the big mm -hmm. thing. It's the driving force of your body. You got to take care of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to be intentional with the things that you do. <laughs> well, and a question I have that's like completely, I guess it's not too far-fetched, but yeah, when you're not working, when you're not doing comedy, when you're not hanging out with your girlfriend, you know, doing all these things that are, I'm sure in your day-to-day, -day, what do you just like to do for fun? 
Uh, I'm a little bit of a gamer. Uh, I, I've got a PS5, so I, I played some Madden football on there. That's a good, that's a for me, just a really good crank off and just rote memory, just, you know, kill some time. Um, I'm a big movie person. I, I see everything. Um, so I'm at the movie theater often. I love the movie theater. Another ADHD yeah. fun fact. Uh, <laughs> movie theater leaves you no option but to pay attention to that one thing. Yes. And it's basically the only time for me when I can focus on one thing. And so movies, movie theater is an escape for me big time because no one can get at you when you're in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that stuff. I got a house last year here in Bend. And okay. so thank you. I've been um, uh, doing little projects and maintenance around the house. I'm trying to learn a lot. Uh, learned a lot about electrical over the last year and um, doing a few DIY projects, uh, around here has been interesting. So, uh, I'm never without something to do, but honestly, really, you know, if I'm not working or, or doing comedy <clears throat> or hanging with my girlfriend, occasionally I'm doing those activities, but I always, I try to find time to sit and not do anything. Um, yeah. and, and just put on TV at the end of the day for a little bit and just zone out. You know, I, I do try to protect time for nothing doing this weekend is going to be a big one. Cause I've had a lot of, I've had four shows over the last week and I'm pretty burnt out socially. So this weekend will be a lot of just play some music softly in the house and wander around my house and do whatever comes to mind and just kind of free flow for the day. And that's, that relaxes me quite a bit just, um, to let, I, I call it letting the ADHD win today. You know, I just move around the house and whatever it is stands out to me, I'll go do that thing until I'm tired of it and I'll go do the next. So just kind of try to find time to turn it off and uh, and let it go on autopilot for a little bit. Oh. <laughs> I was laughing because she knows what I'm thinking. I know. Okay, but before you say that, I have one thing with that. Um, okay. So when you're talking about going to the movie theater, do you love being airplanes then? Because airplanes are also another one of those like untouchable things. And I mean, I love me a good flight because it's the same. It's like, whew, there's nothing. Like you, this is your yes. uninterrupted time. Relating so hard right now. Yes. That is, I, I have said that exact thing. Airplanes are one of my favorite places to be because no one, I can't do anything. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if I want to be doing anything. I don't have the option. All I got yeah. is you know, Netflix or I, I have a, a game. I, I don't play games on my phone, except when I'm on the plane. I have a SpongeBob SquarePants uh, <laughs> game where you make Krabby Patties. Um, it's on Netflix. Oh, you, can Netflix you can download it. It's so dumb and just mindless. And I would love that. It's such a fun little. Yeah. Every time I'm on a plane, that's what I do. That's so good. So good. <laughs> that is great. But no, what I was going to say is, Again, just the more I'm hearing from you, I'm like, oh shit, good thing I have that uh, ADHD assessment coming up for myself because everything <laughs> you're saying, I'm like, oh, sh- yep. Mm-hmm. I know it's very uh, one of my one of my critiques of TikTok is the 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 self diagnosing, yeah, over you know epidemic, um, and I I didn't come to it that way, but. I learned, I've learned a lot about it that way. Like the, the part of it that's good, I think is for folks that have gone through the process and have a, an actual diagnosis, um, there's a real community there of people who are figuring stuff out and figure out terms for things that you haven't thought about. Uh, there's one, there's one guy, I can't come up with his name, but he's a white guy and he does a really good job of spelling out some of the things that go through your brain and applying language to them. And I think his name's Connor. Uh, and, um, uh, I, I think that stuff is really great for that, but it's, 
it's so it seems very kind of over um over diagnosed TikToky, but yeah, I meet so many people now. Like I've been diagnosed for three years, two years now, uh, two and a half, three years. And I there's it's it's rare that I'm that I meet someone uh that I that I am like, oh, you don't have ADHD. It's way more, it's way more often than I'm like, I'm pretty sure you might. I meet clients at work that some of my other coworkers are like, man, this guy's just can't really figure this guy out. I'm like, I can. I think yep. I know what's up with him. <laughs> I had a client who he would come in really um speed talky and really fast and intense. And and we were having all of our meetings at like 10 a.m. And then we had a meeting with him at like 2 p.m. one time and he was really quiet and slow. And everyone's like, what the hell's going on with this guy? And I was like, I bet his ADHD meds are wearing off. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we haven't confirmed this yet, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure of it. And then just all the people around you who you've gotten along with for so long, which is why I'm not surprised you, you're finding your way to that assessment, Abby, yeah. <laughs> um, is I all, almost every single one of my really close friends, I'm like, I can see it in you, whether or not, whether or not you've had it diagnosed mm -hmm. yet, I were, I think I see it in you. My girlfriends, she's diagnosed, we got it diagnosed, uh, her slightly before me. And that's what a lot of parents have. A lot of parents who were undiagnosed, their kids go through the assessment and the parent goes, oh crap. <laughs> and, and that's how a lot of adults end up getting diagnosed. So it is, it, I don't know whether it's a, entirely a pro or con how socialized the language around it has become. I think there's good and bad to it, but it's been a real good thing for me because uh, I didn't have language to talk about a lot of that stuff five years ago and it was driving me nuts. Mm -hmm. So it's been a really nice thing to be able to, uh, to know what you're dealing with. Uh, and to, and to yeah. try to figure out the ways to, to manage it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just hearing, yeah. How you were like, okay, I just need to, I have no stimuli. I just like allow my brain to do what it can. Cause yeah, you, and, and again, could it, there's so many different subtypes. Sure. And I think just for so many people, we're just all really overstimulated. God, yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I call it so far beyond what we're supposed to be able to, I, I, I read it, I read somewhere, I think it was in a book called, um, Sapiens, which is an excellent book. Oh, yeah. um, that your, your brain is, we're tribal as, as like by nature. So we're only designed to care about, about a hundred people about the size of a tribe. Everything that happens outside of your core hundred people is extra stuff. And because we got social media and 24 seven news, everything that's happening everywhere is on our minds and it's way too much. It's so much, so much mm -hmm. overload. Yeah. Um, that I think is the thing that is the problem is everyone's overstimulated and that's, you know, yeah. that manifests in different ways, but there's just, there's too, way too much going on. That's why I enjoy going back home uh, where things move pretty slowly in, in Northeast Iowa. Yeah. Uh, it's good to just pause for a little bit and get away uh, when you have a chance to. Mm-hmm. I like to call them brain breaks is yeah. what, what it is. Like, I'm just like, time for a brain break. <laughs> like, like yeah. it, just, it just has to happen yeah. sometimes. We got, again, going back, we got to take care of our brain. Mm -hmm. Got to. Mm -hmm. Well, and the idea of a break for me was, uh, that was something that I struggled with for a long time because I thought of having a break meant turning it off. Um, and that wasn't, that was never, that was never working for me. And so it became, okay, it's not about turning it off. It's about letting it, letting it drive for a little mm -hmm. while. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's been everything for me. That's how I've been able to manage it lately. So 
um, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. And I could talk about it for a long time. I've watched a lot of those TikToks. <laughs> yes, yes. So I love talking about that stuff. <laughs> well, it's very fascinating because I feel like there's there's so many different tips. There's so many different things. There's so many. And I think, again, like I've talked about this with TikTok before, like it just brought so many different um, educational pieces to so many people that would have never had the opportunity to learn some things, you know what I mean? Like, or just don't have the access to certain types of healthcare or just all these different things. And that's what I think is so amazing from it. And I mean, yeah, you, there's so many bad things about it, but just so much education like comes from it in different ways that people would have never had access to. And I think that that's like, amazing. Like, I love that part of it. Yeah. So cool. (laughs) Yeah. That's the whole thing is having, having an opportunity to relate, Mm -hmm. I think is the big thing. Um, and there's a ton of opportunities to relate because you can get a hold of a lot of people these days. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Humans want to relate. Yeah. Like you said, we're tribal. Well, you said that you had your Instagram versus reality. I'm excited about it. What what do we got? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I wanted to talk about, um, I don't particularly, I don't specifically want to talk about this guy, um, but I imagine you two have heard of Matt Reif. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to ask you about it. So he's become a big deal and there's a particular thing about him that I want to point out to folks. So um, a lot of the clips that you've seen online of Matt and a a lot of comics are crowd work and someone in the crowd is saying something and he's responding back to them and bringing them in and making them a part of the joke. And, um, and those are great. They're always great clips. And a lot of comics will post them because if you post just your, your usual material, you, I don't want my material online. I need to go tell right. those jokes. I'm getting paid to tell them tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of folks will post a lot of the crowd work stuff because that's that's one moment that happened that way. It's not a written joke. Um, and so there's a lot of posts out there that are crowd work. The problem that that creates, and I know this because um, I mentioned Jared uh, Buckendall earlier. He went to a Matt Rife show, I think in Des Moines uh, earlier this year. And the comment he made was um, there were so many people in there that kept like saying things during the show um, in an effort to be one of those clips. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was specifically in the case of Matt Reif, because I know he's a big sex symbol. It was a lot of women trying to get get engaged. Oh, I have. He's he's so hot, you guys. He's very attractive. Like, I I, I get it. I'm like, okay, no, he used to be on Wild and Out. And he's He's such a little dorky white guy. (laughs) Dude, he's got beautiful eyes, though. But anyway, go on. Sorry. So that's the thing is there's so many clips out there of of this crowd work stuff that's happening the thing i think people need to understand is that stuff is supposed to be organic and rare right Mm -hmm. um and historically it has been organic and rare but you have a lot of people watching them and want to be a part of it and so they go to shows wanting to be a part of the show and audiences do not do this please um it is it's really hard as a comic and this is where i have a lot of sympathy for matt right because i've heard him talk a little bit about this um he can't, he can't go up and just tell his jokes. Um, you know, he's, he'll start to, and someone will shout out and now he's got to engage and that's become his thing and he's getting paid. I don't feel that bad for him, but, um, <laughs> I think that 
if if you're an audience member, go to be in the audience and to witness a show. You may make your way into it. There may be a chance for you to interact, but let it come to you. If you try to force it, it's always going to be bad. You're probably going to be labeled a heckler and you're probably not going to get the engagement that you want. And so you really do have to go and let the comic drive the, sh- the boat. Uh, you know, as an audience member, you can't be the one trying to, to guide the show to a place. You're, you're riding. The, aud- the, the comic is driving. And so I know there's a bunch of those clips out there, um, but those moments are, are more rare than they seem based on how many clips there are. And they're supposed to be rare. So for audience members, don't go out and, and try to create them because it's not, even if you do, it's a bad one. It's it's a fake manufactured one. You know, you oh, I thought about this all week to say to Matt Reif, what's he going to say back? And it's, it's, it never, you can tell which ones aren't organic. And, and, and if you're in a room with a bunch of other audience members and someone else in the audience is trying to do that, it's ruined the show for everybody else right. uh, because you're trying to make it about you as an individual and not about the whole show. And crowd work is supposed to, it seems like a one-on-one interaction. It's supposed to, to serve the entire room. Mm-hmm. Um, you're bringing that one person into the joke, but it's still for the benefit of everybody else. And so mm-hmm. I, I think, I think there's audiences that are getting a little carried away with trying to be a part of the show. And I, I wish that we could reel that back. And I, I think the way, the way people post on TikTok is a part of that. And you know, the other obvious extension of that is <clears throat> when you see a clip on TikTok of a joke, that comic has been working on that joke for probably a long time. They've probably, they wrote it, they've open mic'd it, they've done it at shows, they've probably done it. I'm I, a lot, I'm not like every comic, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, so I'm super slow to put any clip out online. I have barely any clips. And if a comic has has put a clip online, know that they have been working on that joke for a very long time and and they're probably like retiring it is usually what what it means when people are putting it online. And so um, a lot of comedy videos look like I tape every set and I post every set. No, like these are the precious bits that you're getting. And so uh, you got to appreciate the clips when you get them and, and understand what they really are. It's like anything else. You got to understand how much time people put into it. But my main thing is audiences got to quit trying to drive, quit trying to grab the steering wheel because it's it makes it really hard for a comic. Yeah. Respect the comedians. Yes, yes. that's such a good one. Mm-hmm. It's real good. Mm-hmm. I've I've been in an audience where an audience member, I've been in a few where audience members tried to take the show and it like the comics did such a great job like steering it. And then it was basically like the whole crowd and comic against this person. Against them. Yep. But, but not, but like, right, it shouldn't have been that way. Like, yeah, I love it when when comics of their own volition, like, you know, kind of grab someone to like you know, poke fun. That's why D and I never sit up close, especially if it's a black comedian. He's like, we're not going to be that today. (laughs) But that is a good and like, so pertinent to like what you do for sure. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's the first. first. It's just so, I think the, it's, there's an element of respecting the comic, but it's such a big part of it is respecting the other audience members. Everybody else paid what you paid to get in there. And so the idea that you're the only one that's going to have the moment it's, it's just really selfish and uh, people who, if you want the spotlight to be on you, go to an open mic. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't go to somebody else's comedy show. Yeah. Well, and it's also like the big part to that too is remembering that you guys are performers and you're artists and like you wouldn't go to a Broadway show and start yelling in the middle of a Broadway show, you know? Right. So it's kind of like 
you wouldn't do that unless you were asked or unless you were told, you know, like or like a concert yeah. or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yes, in a concert, you yell and everything, but you wouldn't like run up on the stage if like, unless right. you were asked to. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you have to think of you guys as performers and artists just the same, like respect. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. people need to stop throwing things at oh, people God. on stage. That's so weird. I don't understand. I, mm-hmm. if you are, if you, who had that happen recently? Has Taylor Swift had that happen? No. Uh, oh, hell no. no. <laughs> like, I, I figure not. Cardi B. Cardi B. Cardi B, um, B has. Adele. Um, uh, if you're, Adele's a good one. If yeah. you're at an Odell, uh, Odell, if you're at an Adele <laughs> concert, um, if you are close enough to throw a bottle on stage, what you paid to get into that show so that you could throw crap on stage doesn't, I don't, that's the part where it loses me because it's, it's big name people. I know it was expensive for you to get that close and that's what you wanted to do. I'm just confused. To get kicked out. Yeah. (laughs) I just think, yeah, I just think in general, like, and I always think of like, what possessed you to have that moment? Like, what was the moment in your body where you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna like chuck this bottle at them. Like what? That's not, like what happened? Yeah, yeah. To have that happen to you? And like, what was the goal? Like, are yeah. you if you hit them, they're gonna bring you? Oh, here's a million dollars. You won. Like, no. If any, you're you're if if anyone sees you're getting kicked out, and there's no good way. There's no. The only thing I could think of think of is if someone was so delusional they thought that they were thirsty and that she would catch the bottle out of the air. Other right. than that, I have no idea what outcome they thought was gonna be a good one for them. Right. Um, it's, it's mind boggling to me. There's, there's a lot of stuff like that. That is so beyond the realm of respect and courtesy that it just confuses me. I'm like, I don't know how you get to a space where that's what you do. And it's, I think that about a lot of stuff. Some, the way people drive is another one of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Midwest values. Yeah. And and that thing too, like, I mean, you you could really hurt somebody, you know? So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, what if? Like they really hurt some. Like, what if they like knocked out one of those performers? Like, what? Like, how would they? I'm pretty sure someone threw a full beer bottle at one of those performers. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you can definitely knock a person out or knock. You want to be the guy that knocked out all of Adele's teeth? Yeah, beer bottle. Right. (laughs) You you won't you won't work for yourself a day again in your life. You'll be paying for Adele's teeth until you're dead if you do that. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think people, I ultimately, I think they're not thinking. I, no, I think you can't through. put yourself in that mindset. I think they just fucking, yeah. And I like to think they did it and then went, why did I do that? But, right. Like I said, <laughs> something possessed them to be like, yeah. oh, <laughs> 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 throwing it up there. And then they're like, wait, out of body experience. Oh my God. It's wild. Respect the respect. Keep it, yeah. keep it in check, people. Like, if that's uh, what we take real. away from all of this, is like, keep it in check. Yeah. And if you and if you're that hungry for some attention, go to an open mic. It's really yes. easy to get on stage yeah. at an open mic. You can have a lot of attention. Or go on TikTok. Make your own videos. Yeah. <laughs> make yeah. your own videos. Start from the bottom. Go do what you gotta do. No one's gonna be upset or mad or anything. Nope. <laughs> you yeah, there are plenty of ways to get attention that don't include harming somebody else. Mm-hmm. 100%. Or ruining um, people's like sets. <laughs> like, yeah. Or that entire, yeah. I mean, because you're truly ruining the entire audience set. Oh, it's just annoying. No. So and it's everybody's you, Friday night. Everybody paid for a ticket. Everybody got dressed and came out. Probably didn't want to. They were tired. Like, I have such a respect for audiences at my shows. Because I'm I'm at a stage where I'm, I'm working for small groups a lot. You know, 20 to 50 people, like, a lot of the time. 
And I always make a point to tell them like, good for you. You got out of the house. It's hard, man. I, I wouldn't do it if I wasn't getting paid a lot of the time. Uh, <laughs> so to, to, to have an understanding of what it takes as a couple or as a family or even as an individual to get out and go to one of those things and then to have it ruined. What a sad thing. And, and yeah. it's, yeah, it's obviously you're not thinking about anybody else. If you're, if you're going to, you know, try to make the show about you or ruin everybody else's night in that way. It's just, it don't make any sense. Yeah. Well, we're going to give you space to plug away, uh, tell people where they can find you. And hopefully this is their PSA. Don't go do any of that tomfoolery uh, at Cody shows. So, yeah, go bring it to my show. I'll deal with you. At <laughs> mine. Uh, my uh, best place for me is Instagram. Uh, I'm at Cody is funny, uh, which is a great, is a great handle. By the way. Yeah. I always say it's, it's an aspiration, not a review. Uh, but if you think it's true, then go, go at me. Um, I announce all my shows on there. That's, that really is the best place to get a hold of me. Um, the podcast hopefully will be back this fall. It is called socially constipated. It is available everywhere. Our backlog is out there so you can hear old episodes, but we'll have, uh, new episodes. Um, we're hoping, we're hoping in September, but, uh, this fall, uh, at some point we're going to be out regularly again with a weekly show. So that'll be me and Seth and Jared. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really, that's all my plugs. Uh, if people are following me on Instagram, they'll, they'll know what I'm up to. And like, go back on YouTube and like <laughs> put in dub age and then yeah. you can find some of oh, yeah. Cody's dub age stances. There, there's yeah. definitely a couple of me up there still. Uh, so yeah, you can, you can parse through the dub age. Uh, I think it's ISU hip hop club on, or maybe it is just dub age on there, but yeah, if you could find that page, you'll, you'll see a, a, a skinnier version of me uh, dancing around there. <laughs> go on well, back and to before the Before we go. Yeah. Before we go, have you ever dressed up as Bruno Mars for Halloween? Because you should. <laughs> I did it. I did it last year. <laughs> I get Halloween is my jam. So yeah, that's amazing. Bruno, I, I used to, I, I've gotten the you look like of a lot of people. And a lot of the time it's very dumb. You probably get this deal. Like I, you just think I look like another black person. You don't really mm-hmm. look. Uh, 100%, 100%. I, I've been told I look like Denzel before and I'm like you are not looking <laughs> yeah. but, but Bruno is the one mm-hmm. Bruno is the one that keeps uh, yeah, yeah that one makes sense for D um, the uh, the Bruno one is the one that keeps keeps coming up keeps coming up and so last year I dressed up as him and a friend of mine dressed up as Anderson Pac and uh, <laughs> yeah. there was there was people who didn't really know uh, if he wasn't with me there was people oh. who didn't know who he was but everybody knew who I was even when I was on my own. So that was a fun one. I'm working on the hair. I'm, I was going to say it's the hair. That's honestly why. <laughs> it's been yeah. even longer. I'm, I'm working on getting it right. I'm going for prints for, for Halloween. Yeah. I've been right. wanting to do it for years. So I'm really looking forward to it. I finally was able to grow the hair out to get to it. So I'm hoping, keep an eye out. Uh, at Cody is funny. Hopefully you'll yes. see the costume in a couple of months. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh you my know Minneapolis that, heart. You know <laughs> that we'll like put that on the... We'll we'll give you some shout outs on Instagram when that comes oh, out. Awesome. Oh yeah. I love Prince. Oh. <laughs> well, Cody, thank you so much for taking uh this time uh out of your day. Hopefully we're taking care of yourself and hopefully you got dinner or you're getting it after this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. No, thank y'all so much. This was awesome. I appreciate y'all reaching yeah. out. It's good just to, to reconnect and catch up with y'all and, and uh, what a fun, I, I love talking comedy. I love talking all this stuff. So this has been a real treat. I appreciate it. Yeah. Listeners. Yeah. Go hit up Cody, not in real life. Don't hit him, but hit him up on <laughs> social media. <laughs>
<laughs> Hit him up style. <laughs> Hit him up style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon. Yes. Bye. <laughs> and that's our show. Thank you so much for being the time during your morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time you did to listen. But we would love to hear more from you. We'd love to hear more from you. So make sure you join us on Facebook at Real Life Podcast with Abby and Danielle and like and subscribe to our podcast. If you're not an Apple user, we are actually on Spotify as well. But on Apple, you can leave us a review. But don't forget to leave us a review on Facebook as well.